Welcome to the Colorado Child Welfare Attorney podcast series. You can follow our series at soundcloud.com slash Colorado Attorney Training. My name is Charmaine Britton, and I am your host for this series. The Colorado Child Abuse and Neglect Multidisciplinary and Cross-Jurisdictional Training Project is sponsored by the Colorado Department of Human Services. Today, we will talk about client-directed representation and elevating youth voice. Council for Youth represent youth who are 12 and older, and the representation is client-directed, and this is so key to amplifying youth voice. Today we have Chris Henderson. He is the Executive Director for the Office of the Child Representative and has been doing that since 2018. He has spent the last 20 years representing children in a variety of case types, including truancy, delinquency, and dependency and neglect. Naomi Davis is a rising senior and superstar at the University of Denver, double majoring in public policy and socio-legal studies. She aged out of the foster care system when she turned 18 in April of 2020. Welcome. Let's get started. My first question is to you, Chris. What does Council for Youth mean? What does it do? Well, thank you, and thank you for having us. Council for Youth was a change that the Office of the Child Representative initiated in legislation that went into effect January 9th of 2023. And the simple answer is Council for Youth affords children in dependency and neglect proceedings when they turn 12, a council that represents their desires, their wishes, and represents what they're asking for in their cases. Before this, Colorado was a best interest state. So my client was the best interest of the child rather than the client itself. What Council for Youth did is put children on the same level as any other person in the courtroom. They are a full party to the case. They have attorney-client relationship. They have a right to attend court. And most of all, they have authentic voice in their proceedings. One of the things that I will just point out with Council for Youth that you have to have a fundamental kind of belief or understanding is that children are the experts on their own life and should have authentic voice. Secondly, children want to be safe. And most importantly, children are smart and often do know what's best for them and need that avenue to advocate for that. So it's a youth rights bill that advances Colorado on the national front. Naomi, so what does it mean when we attend to youth voice? Yes, thank you for having me here today. Attending to youth voice means that knowing that they're an expert on their lives and listening to exactly what they have to say, because at the end of the day, you can be an expert on the law and you can be an expert in trial practice, but the youth are the ones living their life every day and they know what is best for them and best for the people in their life and know what they want their future to be. Attending to youth voice means having authentic youth engagement and not just from a standard level, you're asking them how they feel and what they want and then doing what you think is best. It's having them come to court, having them be involved in their case, telling them each step of their case so that they know what is going on and that they can make the right decisions. And it's also giving them all the information that they need to make those decisions. Is there anything that counsel for you doesn't do? 
great question. In Colorado, children can be afforded attorneys in about 12 different case types. This only changes how children are represented in dependency and neglect. In any other case type, it's still best interest. So in truancy, I'm still representing what I believe is best for them, delinquency, so on. This only changes in dependency and neglect, and it only changes for children 12 and older. That's a great distinction. Thank you. So Chris, how did we get here? We got here by listening to youth. When I accepted the executive director job five years ago, one of my goals was to pass a bill like this. Many other states already have client-directed representation, and I felt like Colorado was falling behind. In the child welfare system, we have a huge problem with disproportionality and disparity. And when someone is deciding what's best for someone else, especially an older youth who often knows what's best for them and how they will be successful, we were falling behind. By listening to youth who wanted authentic voice, who wanted their desires known to the court, not just stated to the court, but advocated for, that's how we got to this bill. And then with the support of an incredible legislature, Republicans and Democrats, the bill passed unanimously in both houses, which is kind of unheard of in our political climate today, and signed by the governor. The short answer is how we got here is listening to the children and the youth who most know this, who led the way. Naomi, Chris talked about the legislative process and to have that kind of support is, frankly, it really is unheard of. How were you involved in getting the legislation for client-directed counsel for youth passed? About three years ago, Office of Child Representatives started a youth action panel where they got foster youth together that they wanted to have on a panel to discuss surveys that they put out, GAL training questions, all types of things that involve the welfare system and child welfare. So part of that action panel is we discussed this topic and we discussed our opinions on why it was important to us as individuals and the child welfare system as a whole. We also discussed why this change needed to happen. And like Chris said, Colorado was falling behind and that other states have done it successfully. So there was obviously a way to do it in a positive way and a way to get youth involved in their cases in a dependency and neglect case. So I gave my opinion. I told my story on what this would have meant for me, which we will probably get into later. I just made sure that I was advocating for not just myself, but all the youth involved in the system. Well, let's go right to that, Naomi. How would your case have gone differently had this legislation passed so that you could have had client-directed representation? If I had client-directed representation in my case, I would not have had to fight as hard as I did for the outcome that I wanted and the outcome that I knew that me and my siblings needed. I re-entered the foster care system at the age of 16. I was out of the system for 10 years and then re-entered at 16 and then was separated from most of my siblings. Uh, by that point, I knew, one, that I wanted to talk to my siblings, and that took a really long time to talk to my separated siblings. People thought that it was best that we didn't speak, and so I had to just keep pushing my um, attorney, my GAL, and my caseworker to get that access. I also had to push that reunification was not a good option, even though I know it's the goal of the system, and in some cases, it is the best option. I had to fight extremely hard to make sure that people knew that that was not the option in my case. And my siblings were not as active in their respective cases as I was. So I was advocating not just for me, but for them. 
I had to be very honest about what was happening in my house, why those things were not an option. I think if from the beginning, my voice was heard as an equal and someone who knew what was I was talking about, then I wouldn't have had the process go on for as long as it did or take as long as it did. I did not know a lot of things that were happening in my case until they happened, like court dates and stuff like that. So I wasn't included in a lot of it until I had to make it extremely clear that that was something that I was not just interested in, but this was a part of my life and I deserved to be there and be heard. So Chris, you had mentioned earlier about how youth who are 12 and older are just like any other person in the courtroom. And it sounds like, Naomi, you were dismissed and pushed away instead of being that person, equal person in the courtroom. Yes, that's how it felt. Oh, well, you're young and you're a kid and, you know, we're the adults. We know what's best for you. We're we're doing what's best for you. And I had to make clear that even though you had good intentions, I still knew more about the situation and I still knew the intricate reasons why or why not something had to happen. That's a great example, Naomi. Thank you very much for sharing. Uh, Chris, do you have another example of how this has changed the outcome for a youth so that we can really experience the reality of what this means for youth? Yeah, we're hearing all kinds of anecdotal stories about how this law has changed. I think one of the most powerful that I've just heard this week was a young lady who had a good relationship with her guardian ad litem. They met, she'd represented her for over a year. They had very surface level, polite conversations, but the young lady always made her appointments, came to every meeting and did what people expect of them when they're in the system. But once the lawyer was able to describe attorney-client privilege, your right to attend court and have full voice, This young lady spent almost three hours talking about being trafficked, that she is in a horribly dangerous situation, and she didn't feel comfortable disclosing any of that when she knew it could be disclosed to everyone. Having that right to privacy has given her lawyer the opportunity to truly advocate and make her safe. They have a whole different relationship. The lawyer described it to me as transformative. I was just in court earlier this week and saw a number of kids coming to court because they now have a right to attend court, as Naomi was saying, not just be invited or discarded or dissuaded from coming to court. They actually have a right to attend court. And what happened during that hearing, the children didn't get what they wanted. Court ruled against them. But I heard two young people say, well, at least they fought for me. And at least I understand now why the decision happened. And most importantly, I got to see the judge who's making the decisions. And I think that's incredibly powerful. I think those are just a couple examples, but we're hearing that left and right where kids are feeling a part of their case, not just an afterthought. And that's really important. You mentioned attorney-client privilege. What does that mean for youth? Just as with any other attorney, with any other client, what anything the youth describes to the attorney or tells the attorney is privileged, meaning the attorney can't share that with other people without the youth's permission. There are some very limited exceptions that all attorneys have under the rules of professional conduct, but it means that relationship is 100% confidential and private. And I think for many youth, that gives them the freedom to share a lot more. One of the things we heard during the stakeholdering process for this was the court's not going to have enough information to make good decisions. And I actually think it's the opposite of that. The court has more information now because the youth feel comfortable disclosing things to their attorney and working their case and being part of their case. So I think courts are making 
better decisions with more information in a quicker fashion. As Naomi says, one of the things we hear from kids is languishing in the system is horrible. They want to get off the roller coaster and they don't want to be stuck in systems for years and years. And I hope this law helps them move forward in a more quick fashion. Naomi, I'm curious about what you think about what Chris just said. Yes, I agree with everything Chris said. I think that also having youth-directed client representation in this system will make the process move along faster because the attorneys aren't there wondering how this is going to go or how this will be ruled and the youth aren't fighting back. I think a big reason that youth don't come to court or don't want to come to court is because they genuinely don't understand what's happening and they don't feel like people will take the time to explain it to them. But once you give that power back to these youth who have been disempowered probably their entire lives, you're also giving them a chance to have those skills in their future, which is extremely important. And then they get to learn how to do that in a professional manner. They get to learn how to be a part of their life and not just let things happen to them and how to be an actual force in their own lives. When they're there knowing that they are being represented for what they want in court and they're seeing that happen firsthand and they're seeing people fight for them, that is going to make the relationship not just with the attorney and the youth, but the caseworker and every other person in their case that much better because that level of trust that never existed before is there. And that level of someone is looking out for me and has my back and I'm not just going to get lost in the system. Great response. Thank you, Naomi. For new counsel for youth, what do they need to know as their new role as a counsel for youth, Naomi? Yeah, so the biggest thing with this is it will be reiterated during this podcast, but at the end of the day, this is the most important thing, is that the youth know what is best for them, or at least they know what they need from the situation. And you have to, you have to trust them with that so that they can trust you, because you won't get all the information from them as a counsel for youth. At the beginning of the case, you are just another person that they have to talk to, another person checking in on them. And that can be very disorienting and very disheartening at the beginning of a case when you have 10 people being introduced to you who are asking you all these deep personal questions that can get really overwhelming. But to establish that why you are there firsthand, the first time you meet them, you tell them who you are, why you are there, why you are on their side, and what your job is. Just that basic introduction can mean a lot and can really impact your relationship further on. Then once you have a little bit more trust and you start actually asking what they want and they see that you're representing that, that is that is your job. And that is the most important part of the system. And the most important part of moving into the system is that you are really there advocating for them and they get to be a part of that. So I just think keeping in mind that you're not just advocating a case or you're not just working your job, like you are changing someone's life and you get to be a part of that. That's powerful. Counsel for Youth are not the only attorneys and and professionals involved in the child welfare system. How does this bill affect other stakeholders, Chris? And I'm talking about Respondent Parent Council, county attorneys, GALs, CASA volunteers. That was one of the big factors that we had to take into account, and we were grateful to have our stakeholders support the bill, including Respondent Parent Councils. But I think the biggest shift for this is under the best interest model of representation, we often exchanged a lot of information between each other. And at this point, that's up to the youth to decide who gets what information. So again, it's about youth empowerment and youth rights. I may have information that 
they don't want shared with their caseworker or their CASA or their parent, and they have every right to stop me from doing that at this point. I think it affects the other stakeholders in the sense that they may have to get information from other people other than the youth or their GAL. And I think that only makes the system better. I think it makes everyone raise their game. But again, it goes back to the youth decides who has what information rather than everyone having all their information. And it's also something I think for respondent parent counsel and county attorneys to consider is what the youth want. It is their lives. I could not agree more. And Naomi touched on this a little bit, that all of us get to go home at night once we make our arguments or make our decisions. But decisions that are being made are where they're going to live, who they're going to visit with, where they sleep that night. I get to go home. My life continues advancing their voice when it's really who's affected. I think in these cases, sometimes we lose sight of that these cases are about children. In a DNN proceeding, the child sitting in the courtroom is the only one there through no fault of their own. And to remember that is incredibly important to me. Yes, indeed. So Naomi, why does this matter? One other fact that's important to keep in mind and a statistic that honestly blows my mind is that Youth in foster care, especially with dependency and neglect cases, are twice as likely to experience PTSD than veteran soldiers are. So these are youth who have experienced trauma all throughout their lives or more than the average person have. And these are youth who have been disadvantaged and swept under the rug and shown that either they don't matter or people don't care about them. You're part of the system is not only to provide them a home, but is to provide them connections. When Council for Youth can create this relationship with youth that is built on trust and built on showing up and genuinely showing up and doing your job, being there for them, being a part of their lives, even if it's not in a super personal way, that connection is the most important thing to get youth to be successful in the long run and to get youth to know that their voice matters in this world and giving them that chance when they're at the age of 12 or even older before they age out of the system is vital in ensuring their success. So this matters because this representation is the first step in addressing a problem in the system that has been unaddressed for a long time, which is that youth leave the system not knowing how to form connections, not knowing how to advocate for themselves, not knowing what happened in their case, just that they were in the system and now they're not. A lot of youth leave really confused and sometimes worse off than when they enter the system. So this is the first step in addressing all those problems. This is not just youth-directed representation. This is a huge part of the system that is now going to be changing. That was an incredibly powerful response, Naomi. I know I am absolutely convinced that this is the way to go, and I appreciate your perspective. But Chris, would you add anything? I couldn't add anything. Naomi said it better than the adults that are involved in the system that work in the system. And I think it goes back to my first point is this came about by listening to youth and listening to someone just like Naomi. It just reminds me how proud I am of this law and that Colorado moved in this direction. Naomi, you talked about some of the issues that are not quite addressed yet. What do you see happening in 10 years as a result of this effort to include youth voice? In 10 years, I think we'll have seen that shift in the system. I think that we will have seen more kids being comfortable creating connections, more kids not fighting with their caseworkers or fighting with their counsel for youth and really being an active part of their case. 
because they know that they're going to hear stories from other kids in the system or they're going to know people or the, the Council for Youth will have examples of how they've helped other kids. And all those things will start creating these deeper connections and showing youth that they're not just a part of the system and they're not getting lost in their system, that they, like they are the system. This is the system, is these youth lives. It's not just some small part, it's the entire part. It's the whole thing. So I think that we will start seeing that shift in perspective, not just from professionals, but from youth themselves. That being in the system is not a negative thing and it's not something to be ashamed of and learning how to take that and know that you know how to go out there and advocate for yourself in ways that don't just involve in a courtroom and where you're going to sleep or why you deserve to have a license or why you deserve to go sleep at a friend's house that night. It's going to be in why you deserve a pay raise, why you deserve this job, why you deserve to go to college. I think that it's going to have as big of an impact on youth as it will on professionals. Thank you both very much. This has been an incredibly enlightening conversation. The Office of Child Representative offers a whole bunch of resources. Chris, what's on there? The Office of the Child Representative has developed a number of resources, including resources on Council for Youth, Youth in Court, and resources for current and former foster youth. So I encourage you to visit coloradochildrep.org and take a look. Thank you so much, Chris and Naomi. This was such an important discussion. Follow this series at soundcloud.com slash Colorado Attorney Training or subscribe for free on iTunes so you don't miss an episode. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for the next podcast in our series.